Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And today we have something different but awesome. We are interviewing a fellow Illinoisan, fellow monster hunter, a friend I just made on Facebook who has had plenty of monster encounters and recently he just saw the Enfield Horror. Um, as far as we know, it is probably the first time that this thing has been encountered in the last almost 50 years. So he is going to come on the show today in just a few minutes and talk with us. So it should be a pretty cool time. Before we can do that, we got to get through all the business. Check us out at all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, wherever. Search up the Hollow Sky Podcast and you'll find us. Come and hang out. Just be social as social media should. Be part of the community. It's always a good time. If you have a paranormal encounter you'd like for us to feature on a future show, Kyle's got all the deets. You can email us your story, write it out, and send it over. You can also use your voice memo app on your smartphone, record the story, and then shoot that over to the email. The email is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. Or when I find it here in a minute, you can also call the holophone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837 and leave a voicemail. You can text it. You can basically do whatever you want. Send pictures. I don't give a shit. <laughs> do whatever. It's it's a weird phone, so the, the weirder, the better. Um, and it is a weird phone. Real quick, in regards to this interview... I am relatively quiet during the interview, and that is because I did not realize um, Zoom changed their f whole dynamic. So now any 40-minute or any interview is only allowed 40-minute time blocks. So I had no idea, and during the interview, we get a time warning. So I was sitting there on the fly during the interview <laughs> trying to upgrade our account to get rid of that. And... I get like hyper obsessive about things. So I like, I was just so focused on the tech side of it, getting it right that I just kind of dropped the ball a little bit, but Steve picked up for me, but I just wanted everybody to know that. Cause I'm sure people are going to point out that we were a little bit quieter than normal. Where'd I know I was just trying to figure shit out to keep it rolling. So we didn't have to keep interviewing. Luckily Zach was phenomenal about like handling our issue there so thank you so much for that dude i really appreciate you for sure absolute professional yeah down there great. dude you guys are gonna love the interview he has had a lot of weird stuff happen to him yeah for sure if you'd like to support the show we got all kinds of ways to do it first and foremost share us on your social medias anybody who listens to podcasts anybody who likes weird and paranormal stuff throw our name in the pot for podcasts that you like to listen to and would recommend um, we also have a uh, Patreon. You can hop on over there and check out what we got to offer in that realm. See if anything wets your whistle and you can sign up for it. That'd be awesome. We have a Venmo. If you want to throw some, uh, pocket change in there for some monsters, that would be great and much appreciated. And you can go to wherever you you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. And that is awesome. And we love it. And we love to read your positive criticism. Not even criticism. Positive praise, I guess. And that's what we're going to do. Today's uh, five-star listener rating and review comes to us from... Who do we have here? Lacey Mariposa. 
Lacey says, such a rad show. These guys do an awesome job of storytelling and investigating. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much, Lacey, for taking the time to write down these kind words and pop five stars on uh, our show over here at Apple's Apple or iTunes or wherever this is. But we aren't going to do a uh, listener experience today since we got the interview lined up ready to go. That being said, here we go, an interview with the Monster Hunter. All right. Today we have a very special guest, our friend uh, Zach Sterick. He is here to talk some monsters and all kinds of good stuff with us. Uh, Zach is a second generation farmer and cattleman. Uh, He's a cryptozoologist of 17 years, historian. He is a podcast host wrestling with monsters podcast on spotify he's a traveling speaker leader of the southern illinois monsters hunter bass singer in a southern gospel quartet a fourth generation pro wrestler and he is first and foremost a christian and a servant for god so welcome to the show our friend zach howdy it's an honor to be here thanks for having me gentlemen how you doing bud living the dream i am Sitting out here on the back deck of me and my beautiful wife's place and enjoying God's creation, drinking a glass of Kool-Aid, and I'm here to talk monsters and share the gospel with y'all. That is awesome. Awesome. So you are a fellow Illinoisan from down south, right? Born and raised. In uh, Williamson County, right? Yeah. We're up here in Jersey. Right on the the Saline, Williamson County line. Oh, that's awesome. We're up here in Jersey County. Uh, we're probably about two and a half hours northwest of you, up above Alton. Not yeah. too far in Grafton. So uh, let's get in. What got you interested right off the right off the rip in cryptozoology? I'm really interested in what got you into this. Well, um, it all started um, growing up. I um, grew up watching, I grew up watching old school horror movies. I'm talking Depression era uh, universal movies like Bela Lugosi's Dracula, Glenn Strange and Boris Karloff's Frankenstein, Lon Chaney Jr.'s The Wolfman, uh, Boris Karloff's The Mummy, and the like. And, and all the way thirties, all the way down to the 80s, I grew up watching a lot of old film and everything. Um, and, you know, I, I thought it was all just something they dreamed up out of thin air. But then as I got older, I start, I discovered Google and started really researching what inspired these movies and everything. And it turned, come to find out that Dracula was based off of a historical figure, Vlad Tepish um, from uh, Wallachia. The Wolfman was actually based off of the the Jebudal in France that happened back in the 1700s, uh, which was uh, uh, one of the more infamous werewolf cases throughout history. Uh, Boris Karloff's The Mummy was inspired by uh, whenever they discovered King Tutankhamun's tomb in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt, uh, and the mummy's curse, quote-unquote, uh, is what inspired that film as well. And, um, of course, uh, Frankenstein was inspired uh, by, of all things, uh, by the, uh, the Golem of Prague, which was actually created by a Jewish rabbi 
And, um, you know, all of that, I started thinking, I'm like, well, that stuff actually happened. So I really started going and researching it myself. And, um, you know, I didn't put any kind of stock in it at all. I, I just thought it was all legends and folklore. And uh, I'd always grown up hearing about the hairy man of the woods, uh, Bigfoot, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, extraterrestrials, UFOs. I'd always heard about them. I always thought they were all, all just, you know, folk tales. And like I said, I didn't put any stock in it. But that all changed one night in August of 2004 whenever I heard the scream of a Bigfoot for the first time in Randolph County, Illinois, right outside of Redbud. And I was nine years old. And that sparked the, the fire in me to go and figure out what it was that I heard that night. And 10 years later, I came across the Ohio moaning call that was recorded by Matt Moneymaker in Ohio back in 1994. And um, <laughs> I... Uh, listen to it over and over and over again i'm like that sounds familiar and then all of a sudden lights in my head just start going off and i start having all these flashbacks and i was like holy crap that's what i heard whenever i was nine years old and it started as a mission to find closure and put a name on what i had heard and it snowballed into proving that modern-day monsters, quote-unquote, exist in North America and around the world. That's awesome. And that all has culminated over the last 17 years. I went public with my research back in 2015 whenever I started the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters, and uh, we're coming up on our seven-year anniversary as a team, uh, running hot and on fire and uh, hunting monsters and sharing the gospel that's what we do that is awesome i love it that is awesome love it um tell me about how you uh came together with your team how many members are on the southern illinois monster hunters oh well there was originally uh we started off we all went all of us the original six members we all went to school and grew up together and um it was originally me my uh my best friend Gunner, my cousin John, um, my uh, buddy Amos, um, our, our friend uh, JT, uh, Josh Tanner, and then um, uh, our rookie that came on late, um, uh, Zach, uh, uh, Zachary, and our secure, original security was Keegan. And, you know, uh, some of us had to leave uh, because life got in the way. Some of them got married, went off and had kids and everything. They couldn't commit, and they felt like they couldn't commit completely to the team, so they tendered their resignation with us. And in the last seven years, we've had members come and go and everything, you know, sometimes. And a lot of times it was me doing a lot of the legwork and everything. With the current team now, there's six of us. Um, we try to keep it around six, but at one point there was actually 14 members on the team. And um, we've got six right now. Six is a little bit easier for me to manage. Uh, between me and uh, Gunner, 
is still part of the team. He's my second in command. Uh, we call him Doc because he is a um, he's actually a doctor. He's got a doctorate and a PhD in physical therapy. And we called him Doc since he started school. And um, and then there's our security, Gail Lafoon. Uh, Gail and me worked together on the Mississippi River for Southern Farm Supply. Uh, then there is my cousin Benjamin. He's our tracker. Uh, and Ben is a, a pro wrestler uh, like myself and everything, and, and we call him Streaming. And uh, I am not kidding. He comes out in green tights that has worms on them with uh, a T-shirt on, a T-shirt on with him, like the Nike check mark where him just laying there, just stroking his stock on his head and everything. His catchphrase is just stroke it. And he comes out with a green mask on that looks like a watermelon. <laughs> yeah my cousin the beanstalk i call him and then there's our occult researcher stacy coughlin he is a uh, uh level three reiki healer uh he's a devout catholic and um <clears throat> he's um based out of Thibodeau, Louisiana. He's the only member on the team that isn't in Illinois. But with what he brings to the table, he doesn't have to be in Illinois. Uh, he has the technique he calls Matt dousing, which he uses uh, unloaded dousing rods, copper rods, and a pendulum. And he does energy work with that pendulum. And he'll tap into the energy in the universe and everything and ask his pendulum yes or no questions over a map. And he's found, and he's accurate with that pendulum, marking it on places on a map for us. And he'll send us the maps uh, to run off of while we're in the field. And he's accurate within up to 50 yards of what he finds wow. on those maps. And that is found awesome. things with those things. And he actually came up here in April and did the dousing rods, um, just doing energy work with those. And we were able to go and find a trackway with at least six tracks in it using those dowsing rods and him just feeding his energy into those rods. And when he has one of those rods, just one, he's like a bloodhound on a trail with those things. <laughs> and then, um, let's see, there's me, Doc, Gail, Stacy, Benny, and then there's our rookie, uh, Private Grady Powell, uh, I used to coach him in baseball. He was one of my uh, pitchers, and, and he was a catcher as well. And uh, I've always called him private uh, whenever I was uh, coaching baseball because I always ran him like a drill sergeant. And they called me Sarge, and I called them all private so-and-so uh, according to their last name. So it stuck and everything. And he came on the team about four or five years ago. Actually, while I was still coaching him in baseball and everything, and he showed genuine interest in this thing. And he said, well, I want to learn. So I took him on as my student and everything. I've taught him everything I know. Uh, I've given him so much stuff to read. Like, I'll give him a stack of five books. And within a month's time, he'll be handing me back those uh, five books. And he'll have read them cover to cover. He is that uh, with it and everything. And uh, he is graduating from rookie uh, to being the man that's in charge of the call blasting and doing call research to see uh, if we're out in the field trying to attract uh, whatever creature that we're after, trying to figure out what kind of distress call 
uh, what kind of recorded calls of that type of creature we're looking for to call Blasco. He, he's kind of over that kind of stuff. And he's also an EMT and a farmer like myself. So we're just a bunch of a uh, bunch of rednecks and everything, but we grew up in the woods. Uh, some of uh, Stacy served in Iraq and Afghanistan um, in the army, and uh, we're just we're a bunch of good-hearted, down-to-earth uh, Southern folk, and that's the stuff I know. Only monster hunters, and we're we're basically a family. We we check on each other. We do wellness checks on each other. We don't hear from each other every so often. Uh, you know, it's a good team. And I like Stacy said one night. He says, "I doubt there's another team out there with this big of a smelting pot because we all have clashing opinions on what these kind of things that we go after is." Because I don't like being on a team i like to be able to have a healthy debate with my team i don't want to deal with a bunch of yes men. i was i was just going to say that i love that you you guys are bringing like spirituality and the occult into the paranormal field i feel like that bridge needs to be gapped more often and a lot of answers we're looking for could could be found if we kind of try to meld the two together and kind of move forward that way i when you said you had an occult researcher i was like man that's that's something you don't hear every day in uh paranormal research teams <laughs> Especially like boots on the ground research. Well, I mean, a lot of people found out, and whenever we actually filmed our documentary here this past April, um, we a lot of people found out that we were actually going and uh, using the map dousing technique, which is energy work, and you're dealing with spirits and everything. And uh, they said that we were being woo and everything i said call it what you want if it works we're it's a tool in our toolbox heard that heard that oh, absolutely i couldn't agree with that more people people put too many too much like there's just too many stigmas that like, I, like you said if it, if it works why why are we not using that why are we not taking advantage of what we have at our fingertips here well, it's just, it's just like I tell everybody whenever I give a lecture. If you th if you have an idea for an experiment, do it. Think outside the box. You never know what the outcome might be. It might be instrumental or detrimental to the research field. And who knows? You may inspire somebody else to actually do this in their area. Say someone down in Florida does something that actually gets results. Somebody in Washington sees that and you get the same results. The next thing you know, it starts growing like a wildfire and and it may end up where one of these days we actually get definitive proof most definitely yeah absolutely man like it and i i i also like the fact that you guys are all different like you were saying you you don't all just flat out agree right away on what something could be because me and steve are like that too like he'll have an opinion about something and i'll come in and see it like you like you you stated outside the box and that's in this field that's kind of how you need to be a lot of times you need you need your out of the box thinkers and you need your inside the box thinkers as well you know right. i think it's just that perfect mesh that makes it work oh trust me it's just you know and and not only that i've seen a lot of teams where they go and they don't care about their their personal image and everything our team we have the bylaw and we have a code that we follow strictly and, and you know i tell them don't act 
uh, in public representing us that you wouldn't act in front of your own mother or your pastor. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that you have strong set of like a, a code of morals that you stick by. And that's, that's something that's lost a lot in today's world as well. Um, oh, you, some understatements. Yeah. <laughs> facts. Do you do a lot of your like on the ground investigations there in Southern Illinois? Or are you guys all over the place? Mainly? Yes. The Shawnee national forest is our uh, target area, but I've actually, uh, done solo work with the ECDRO out in Virginia in recent years. Gail has done research in Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, Stacy's done uh, research work in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas and Tennessee. And, um, you know, me, Ben, Gail, and Stacy do a lot of the boots on the ground work. Um, Doc and Grady they're not able to get into the fields because one Grady's still in school and he's an EMT and a farmer. So we don't, I mean, we hope that they can make it, but we don't uh, pressure them to be there. Um, you know, him and doc pretty much make up the research uh, group for the team, the armchair researchers. And uh, they'll go. And if they find something for us, cause we're all researchers, but everybody has the stuff certain thing that they're responsible for while they're in the field. Uh, like me, I'm team leader. Stacy's the occult researcher. He's out there with his Dowson rods and his uh, and his pendulum. Gail's in the back running drag covering our sticks. Uh, Ben's out front tr uh, looking for tracks. Uh, Grady's out there. If, we, if I tell him to, to give a blow on the call, he'll give a call. And uh, Doc is right there the whole time if we interview uh, an eyewitness, he's there with a notepad and an audio recorder jotting stuff down and recording the conversations. That way he can go back and find something that he could take into his office doing his own research leading on an investigation before the actual hunt. And then before the actual hunt, after we get a lot of research in, between the, the before the not the final hunt for the thing that we're after, the target that we're after, and the research, there's a day recon in the area as we meet with the eyewitness. And we'll go in with the eyewitness, have them take us out to where they saw the creature that we're after. Uh, and we'll, we'll spread out. We'll look for any kind of thing, whether it's a scent post, a tree structure, a trackway. We'll try to go and establish a water source, a food source, whether it be livestock or agriculture ground. Uh, or even uh, chickens or, or any kind of uh, uh, food source that could be around a water source because every kind of animal in the wa in the woods, they go they stick around the nearest water source. So we'll concentrate around a water source, try to find a possible bedding area. And um, that whole time, we'll go and we relay it back to Stacy, who's at his home in Civicville, Louisiana, and we'll tell him about the area that we're in, and he'll focus on that area with his pendulum and uh, see if we have a confirmed trackway, because he's not there. And if he goes and he says he finds something, he'll direct us to where we need to go on a GPS. He'll drop a pin, and we'll walk on foot or go on a side-to-side -to, -side to the area that he's uh, 
uh, dropped on that GPS and we'll fan out and start combing the area to see what we can find. And uh, then if we can confirm what he's found with his energy work, then uh, we, you know, that's even more accurate for what the craft that he does. And, that is um, we go with the description because uh, we don't always know. I mean, some people say, yeah, I saw a Bigfoot. I saw a dog, man. I saw an alien. But some of them, they say, I don't know what I saw. So we give have them give us a detailed uh, testimony of what they saw. And I'm the graphic artist for the team. I'll be sitting there with a pen and paper talking to the eyewitness. And I'll ask them, like, so what did the eyes look like? How tall was it? What color was the fur? Uh, what kind of build was it? What did it look like? Was it looking more canine, feline, or humanoid? And I'll sketch out what they're telling me and everything. And I'll show it to them. And nine times out of ten, they say, that's what I saw. Um, sometimes, like one time we went and we were on a, an investigation here recently for a farmer who said he saw a big uh, black cat. And he said that this thing was the size of a big, about the size of a liger or a tigon that he'd seen in the zoo. And he said, I said, you sure this wasn't a mountain lion, sir? He goes, no. Because he, what happened was they, he's got this uh, farm set up out there close to me with this big cattle ranch. And he's got cowboys that stay out there around the clock to watch his herd. And they had a bunch of calves up in the actual uh, uh, paddock there to run up in the chute in the morning to take off to the auction house. And the calves that were inside the paddock were raising up all kinds of cane. And uh, they all ran out there, and they started circling around the paddock and everything, shining their lights in there, and there was this cat in there amongst the calves. Well, they went and they uh, shot from one of their sidearms, and that cat took off running and jumped up over this eight-foot-high um, wooden fence. And I asked him, I said, can you tell me about how tall he was when he hit the ground? He said, well, his back was right up there on that uh, third rung on that fence. And I took my tape measure and I'll sit it down on the ground and run it up until he tells me to stop. And that cat was about four and a half feet at the shoulder. I said, well, how long was he then? He goes, he, uh, he said, well, where the one post is to that other post is eight foot. He would have been nose to the tip of the tail right there. Man, that's huge. <laughs> that is that's that terrifyingly is. huge. That is wild. You you are in quite the uh, the squatchy area, I guess, for lack of a better terms, down there in Shawnee. You hear a lot of activity down that way. What are some um, notable encounters or um, evidence or like local stories you've heard uh, working with the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters? What are what are some of your your good stories you got? Well, there was one. Uh, that actually happened up in Buckner, Illinois, and it was actually a dogman uh, report. Um, I was doing a lecture back in 2019 as part of the Mysteries of Southern Illinois lecture series that I was doing. And this old lady came there, and she was telling me uh, this story about a friend of hers who lived in the same trailer park. And uh, she had lived there for about 
seven or eight years uh, by herself. And one night there was, it's just this regular single wide trailer where it's got the steps that go up the front, but out the back door, it's just a straight drop except for two or three center blocks down at the bottom for her to step off of. And it's pretty high up off the ground, probably about maybe four feet uh, high off the ground, straight down from out of that back door. So watch the first step. It's a doozy kind of thing. And um, she was hearing some kind of scratching at the back door. And she thought it was uh, the neighborhood kid uh, messing with her because the neighbor's kid used to come over and do stuff like that all the time. And she said, come around to the front and I'll let you in. Come around to the front. And it kept scratching. And she and then it started knocking. Well, she thought it was a tree branch knocking and scratching up against that window, uh, not that window, the door. And uh, she went back there and opened the door to go and knock that tree branch out of the way. Uh, and whenever she did, she opened the door and looking her right up in the face was a dog man looking right up at her in that door. And when she screamed, and tried to pull the door shut. Thing reached up and grabbed the doorknob. And was fighting her to shut that to keep that thing open. And finally, she shut that thing and deadbolted it and locked the the knob on it. And she called the cops. And that thing left. The cops were there for about 15, 20 minutes. She said, and this thing came back. And this time, she was. The, going to go do dishes and um she felt like something was watching her and you know those the w little windows that are about this big up above a sink and a single wide those things are about eight feet up off the ground that thing was looking in the window at her while she was doing dishes at her sink and she called her sister to come get her and she left and she moved out the next day wow i don't think i blame her there man that's no that's a massive creature and is clearly not afraid of humans. So, and do you like in, in regards to that case, do you think when it grabbed the door handle, it knew what it was doing when it grabbed it? I think it was trying to get at her, to be yeah. honest with you. It was stalking her, I believe. Because with that kind of body language and everything, because, you know, I try to think of that as, some kind of, you know, freak that's trying to hurt somebody or get their way with somebody if you get right. drift. They they're trying to force entry to get in there to do what they want to do to that person. And this thing was really just stalking her whenever it was uh watching her through the window above the sink. Yeah, that that's just terrifying terrifying to think of that it was trying to get inside and keeping an eye on her we um we've got a lot of encounters from up this way too we live just probably 10 minutes 15 minutes north of pier Marquette state park and we hear all kinds of things up here from bigfoot sightings bigfoot calls tracks found to thunderbirds and even like mothman type creatures and all kinds of stuff it's a very like, I feel like all along the Illinois River is just, and the Mississippi River, for that matter, is just prime area for these kind of creatures. 
Uh, I got a uh, Thunderbird report here a couple of years ago. Oh, actually from a, a fellow wrestler who's a cross-country truck driver. And he was coming up from Laredo, Texas, going to Detroit. And right below uh, Goreville, between Goreville, Illinois, and Lit Creek, Illinois, he was coming up the northbound lane of I-57. Holy crap, that's a hornet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Cryptid in its own right right there. <laughs> Uh, I got a tangle with a Bigfoot and a Hornet, just to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I heard that. But anyway, he was in the northbound lane going up I-57 to uh, to Chicago to get on to go up to Detroit for a delivery. And he said this bird came flying up o- uh, over the trees uh, right there between Lit Creek and Goreville. And he said this thing was every bit as big as a Cessna, which is a puddle jumper, we call it. One of those little single cockpit biplanes. And uh, he said this thing stored there for a little bit, and then it went back and dove back over the mountain. Yeah, we've... It makes you, it makes you wonder, like, what what it could be. We've had a listener email us and say that they saw one just west of town where we are here and they said the wingspan was about about 15 to 20 feet long so that is like that is a massive creature massive creature well and then not only that uh i've even got a mothman report from down here you remember when the leak day tornado hit harrisburg about 10 years ago i do i do recall hearing that yeah the EF-5 tornado that wiped out half of Harrisburg, Illinois. Uh, there was a Mothman report leading up to that. Right in Harrisburg, where family video used to be, right on the Main Street. Uh, there was a friend of mine who uh, worked at the Rock Quarry south of Harrisburg between Mitchellsville and uh, Harrisburg, uh, uh, going down 145. And he was coming home from work, and he lived... Um, over on Harco Blacktop. And so he comes through that side of, of Harrisburg all the time. And um, he was driving through, and it was right about daybreak. And he looked up, and he saw this, what he said was a man up there halfway up, hanging from the side of that tower. And he was getting ready to call the cops because he said it didn't look like no lineman because linemen's wear the neon-colored harnesses with the neon-colored shirt, and they have hard hats on. And he's like, oh, my God, this guy's going to jump. And he, as he was, he stopped right there at the uh, church that's right across from it in the parking lot, and he was going to call the police uh, to come down there and try to talk the guy down, and he pulled off. And he's up there watching. He said he's opening his wings up and take off. And that and that tower is at least four hundred feet high, and it was halfway up. Oh, that was that before was that before the tornado hit? That was the December before the tornado hit. So only two months beforehand it was right around Christmas. You hear that so much with Mothman encounters, like like he's almost a harbinger, a precursor of something bad happening. Man, that's that is wild. And then this one actually happened uh, 
with my security guard, Gail, um, whenever he was 10 years old, he actually encountered the Big Muddy Monster. Oh, I forgot that that was down that way. It was in Murfreesboro, right along the Big Muddy River, and uh, he would go and uh, stay with his grandma every now and then with his cousin. And there was uh, skunks that was coming around and everything, and right about dark, she says, boys, you come in. I'm not going to be taking you to church smelling like no skunk. You come in. And they, he said, well, since we can't play outside, can we stay up late and watch movies? And she said, that's fine. Just as long as you're up to go to church tomorrow. And uh, they were out there uh, watching the Three Stooges on TV. And uh, that stent hit them. Uh, and they thought it was a skunk. But he said, this thing was a super strong skunk if this thing had been a skunk. And they, they had these sensor lights out there on the front porch that would light up the whole front yard and he's like well there's a skunk let's see if we can go see him and they went to the front window and threw open the blinds and there that thing was right there in the yard and it turned and it looked at him and he said it walked up and put its hands on the top rail of the porch and leaned over and, and sneered at him and growled at him well, they shut those curtains, and they ran to the back bedroom. And right there, as they get in there to the bedroom and shut the door, and they turn around, and he's there looking at him through the window screen because the window was open. And he said that thing came up and pressed his face up against that screen, literally just your regular windscreen in a window, the kind that uh, pops out really easily. And he said the only thing that he could think of to do was to get a gun. Well, all they had was a Red Ryder BB gun. And you're going to laugh, I know. But that's the only thing he could think of to grab a hold of that thing. And he pointed that BB gun at that big muddy monster. But here's the thing. It backed off. It knew it was a gun. That's but wild. It, but he didn't realize that it was just a regular BB gun. So that tells me that that thing has been shot at before, seeing what guns can do. It, and so it's learned from uh, observation what a gun can do. That's the reason he backed up from that thing. And he said a little 10-year-old me sitting there shaking like this with that BB gun, and that thing still backed up away from that window and walked away. That is that is so wild. So yeah, that that definitely... I agree 100%. It definitely shows that it has had encounters with humans and humans with firearms. Was that about, how long ago was that? Was that about the same time that the Big Muddy uh, monster was kind of popping off down that way, or was it afterwards? No, no this, this was long afterwards. This was yeah. like, but let's see, this was back in 99, I think. Oh, yeah, so that would be quite a bit afterwards. And then... Uh, one of the ones that I've had, um, you know, I, I was, this could actually happen here back in December of this last year, December 27th of 2021. Um, so I started off, I've got an outdoor show on YouTube called Duke Randall Outdoors. I named it after my wrestling character. And I, I'm 
I grew up hunting, fishing, and camp passions. And I, I got the sad news that my uh, great aunt Franny had passed away. And uh, me and my aunt Fran were very, very close and everything. And she hadn't even been gone. Two hours, family was already fighting. And I'm just like, this is stressing me out. I've already had two heart attacks in the last three years. 27 I've had. And I'm like, I'm going to the woods. The woods is my sanctuary. Um, I go uh, to go to the woods to reflect, to chill out, de-stress, detox, and just relax. So it's, it's like me and my cousin Robin told me. It's my zen. So I took uh, my truck out, and I was camping out on my ranch and everything here in Winston County. And uh, just camping out in an Ozark Trail tent. I had a rain tarp up over the tent and everything, and one on the west side to make for a windbreak. Dug me a little Dakota fire hole uh, for my fire pit, and uh, had me some wood uh, stacked up and everything. And I was just filming an episode of Duke Randall Outdoors, my uh, outdoor show on YouTube. And I wasn't looking for a Bigfoot. I was just out there to get away. And I turned in about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And um, I was just laying there on my uh, cot in my sleeping bag. And I hear something moving around. And this was, I want to say, about 4 o'clock in the morning. And it was uh, um, past the, the full moon. So the moon was coming up pretty late. Uh, but enough that you could actually see the silhouette of this thing. And I'm laying there underneath my sleeping bag. And I've got just the top, just from my eyes up, uncovered uh, in the sleeping sleeping bag and I wasn't in the sleeping bag because I say as I say a thick boys don't zip up too good. Heard that. <laughs> and uh I'm just laying there and I hear something moving outside of my uh, tent. Well it's open up. I don't have no kind of rain fly that comes with the tarp where you can't see outside the mesh. I can see uh to the north and to the east of me. And I'm just laying there looking right up at him and I'm not moving well i had a 20 gauge shotgun laying right next to the cot with a slug in it um in case i needed it because here for a while uh there's been reports of black bear around here for the last two years and um not only that at that time uh, we were having a bit of a feral hog problem we've actually had uh finding sign of feral hogs out tearing up our ground so that's mainly the reason i took that when get shotgun with that, those deer slugs with me to take care of that problem. So I'm just laying there, and but I've got my hand across my belly in case I have to roll off of that hammock, grab that gun, and sit up and put one in him if he does decide to come and get me. And he's about six or eight feet away, looking straight down the end of that uh, tent at me. And I'm locking eyes with him, and you can. It was a little cold that night, not too cold. It was unbearable, but cold enough where you could actually see his breath. And um, there was a slight glow coming off of the coals in the fire pit, and he was 
solid black. And I was sitting there watching him, and I had my phone laying on the floor of the tent next to me, charging on the uh, power strip from the power converter that I brought with me. And right, at, and he sat there for like four or five minutes, just looking at me, didn't move. You could hear him lightly breathing. And sometimes he'd take a deep breath and let it out real slow. That's how close he was that where I could actually hear him breathing. Hey, Hollow Colt, the weather's getting nice. And you know what that means? It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And to hear one of them things breathe, it sounds like they wheeze when they breathe. Sort of like they're asthmatic or something or out of breath. Labored breathing. And about that time, my phone screen lit a notification, and that's what spooked him, and he took off. That sudden flash of light. That's bizarre. That and is. my butt was puckered the whole time. I'll be. <laughs> I bet. I, I'll bet. Same. I, I would have been the same exactly. Did you ever feel like? Did you ever feel threatened while you were there? Like, like 
did you feel like he was going to make a move or do you think he's just being curious or how'd that play out in your mind? I think, I, th- I think he was just being curious. You know, I'd been cooking that night. I cooked me some Denty Moore candy stupor supper. And what I didn't need, I threw in the fire to burn it off and everything. So that way I wouldn't have any kind of scavengers coming up around my camp and everything. But once it hit that, those coals and everything, it kind of, had a little bit of an aroma to it and the wind was blowing out of the west and everything that's the reason i had the windscreen up with the tarp on the west side uh to uh break the wind so that way it didn't blow out my air or spark some kind of a uh uh wildfire because i was in these little grove of evergreen trees up underneath these three evergreen trees in the middle of an open field and uh, it's a hay field. So I didn't to answer your question. No, I did not feel threatened at all. However, there was one time here back in March, uh, March 10th of this past year, 2021, uh, where I actually did feel threatened to the point where I jumped in my side side and I abandoned my camp. Um, I was working at a gas station in Grill Springs. Uh, and whenever I'd get my days off, they'd always come in the middle of the week. And I hadn't been camping, uh, since, uh, November of the past year. And, uh, I was like, well, I ain't been camping in a while. Uh, I'm going to go. And I just looked at the weather and I'm like, yep, I'm going. So I just packed up my rucksack and I took a, regular camping hammock with an underquilt, uh, a sleeping bag, and a rain tarp. And the rest of the stuff I loaded up in my Sabbath side uh, and drove up to where this base camp is on my property. And I got everything set up and everything. I was cooking steak and chili that night on the fire and everything. And, oh, that was so good. <laughs> and uh, I... uh about 10 o'clock and everything, I started to settle in and everything, and I'm an insomniac, so I was up up till about 1 o'clock, and then 1 o'clock, uh, 1.30, I started really getting drowsy and everything, so I laid back in the, in the hammock, and I had the same shotgun right there next to me because um, it's right about that time of the year whenever, uh, you know, coyotes are going to start moving and some snakes are going to start moving because it was actually particularly warm for that time in March last year. And uh, I basically just took that shotgun with me to shoot snakes with. And um, I'm laying in there and I finally start to doze off and everything. And I'm sleeping in the hammock after I stoked that uh, fire. And right about two o'clock in the morning, everything just shuts off. And um, I am sitting there li- looking out of the top of my sleeping bag, just looking around, seeing if there's anything moving or anything. And there you couldn't even hear uh, a possum or a raccoon walking through the leaves. And this was a very, still had a, a thick, uh, layer of leaves on the ground and everything you couldn't walk without kicking leaves up and this thing happened it literally happened in less than a second and i had the shotgun literally right here within 
uh, less than arm's reach of me. And I couldn't even get to that gun fast enough. All I could do was scream. I was laying in the hammock and I heard this thing take three steps. And then it was one, two, three, crash. And what it did, it ran into the rain tarp that I was underneath. And it, in turn, hit me uh, through the rain tarp in the hammock. And the hammock swung out with so much momentum that I got ejected from the hammock. And I went flying through the air for about five feet. Wow. And I'm screaming and everything because I am i didn't even have my knife with me. My knife was down in my boots uh, on the ground. And I cr- got up on my knees and started running on my knees to get a hold of that gun. And I slid up underneath that rain tarp and kicked my headlamp on. And there was a Bigfoot about eight foot tall salt and pepper gray black collar walking back down that road that at the the trail uh that we cut with the bulldozer uh that i drove my side side up and i could have put one right in his hip if i wanted to but i the reason i didn't is because you know it's not the ones that you see that you got to worry about it's the ones you don't see so i loaded up i loaded up my shotgun um my gear bag and i left my cooler and my food there because i was going to cook breakfast the next day i got in the side by side and i left and i was home in five minutes <laughs> just getting out oh, i bet i don't want me at all hammer down on that sucker i heard that do, do you think that do you think he was just giving you warning like you need you need to get out of here you're in our spot or do you think it was trying to engage and get you to fight back or I don't know. I mean, you know, there's one in the area that's given some of the farmers around here a lot of crap here last couple of years uh, that we call El Diablo. And it, the, every time that there's a sighting of Bigfoot harassing livestock or harassing people, they always match this one. He harasses farmers out here for uh, about a five to eight miles radius from my farm. And, um, He's just a real brazen son of a gun, to be honest with you. It's like he has no fear of man whatsoever. And uh, I been after him for a couple of years because he's he's harassed my family too. Uh, about twelve years ago, we had uh, Tommy and Freckles, and um, my mom was laying in bed one night. My uh, stepdad worked night shift, and she's laying in bed with the windows open in the summertime and she's just laying in her bed, reading the book. Well, on each side of the bed, there's an end table underneath the windows with a lamp on it. And the cats were used to sit up there in the windows and everything and look out the window at night. Well, one night, Freckles and Tommy just starts throwing all kinds of a fit. And about that time, that screen gets jerked out of that window and an arm came in there and grabbed a hold of Tommy. And pulled him out the window. And you could hear Tommy uh, squ- squalling and everything. And we ran outside with uh, shotguns lo- uh, looking for him. And thank God he got away. He was hiding up underneath the car. But that thing had gone and pulled that window screen out of that window. And crumpled it up like tinfoil. Oh, my gosh. Man, that... <laughs> That is so wild. You, I'm curious. 
you hear a lot of uh, different theories and speculation about what Sasquatch and Bigfoot are, whether it's a primate, whether it's a spiritual being, whether it's an interdimensional being, like how do you, where, where do you stand in doing your research and the evidence that you've brought together? And <clears throat> uh, all of that I've seen, you know, I believe, you know, these things are flesh and blood. Uh, what they are in particular, I have no clue because, um, it's it's just like this you know we don't have a body we don't have it in our dna database but what do i what i do know is is that like it says right here uh in genesis chapter 24 uh verse one uh no chapter one verse 24 and 25 and it's uh, it's the sixth day of creation uh Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth a living creature, according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. I believe, you know, that this is something that we're dealing with is something that you know was actually created by god almighty um you know what in particular its uh dna uh species is whether it's uh, a relic hominoid or or uh, some, some kind of uh but um really you know i do know this is that these things if they do want to they can harm you i mean those things you're dealing with something that's eight feet tall uh approximately 600 pounds of solid muscle you're in their territory you're in their elements you're in the woods because us as humans Within the past 200 years, we've gotten numb to the primal living that our ancestors had to do with technology, electricity, cars, electronic devices. You know, we don't learn how to go and use our own eyes and ears and how to actually survive and pay attention while we're in the woods. We're too busy Snapchatting, Facebooking, uh, Instagramming, stuff like that. We've become numb to the world around us, but they're out there, out here in the woods, like the ones that I'm sitting in front of. They've been out there all their lives, never been exposed to any kind of electronic device, no microwave dinners, don't, never drove a car. They're out there making do with what they got. They are living off the land. You know, it's just like, bringing some city folk out here into the country with us rednecks, they would be lost and bored to tears because they're not there in the concrete jungle. They're out here in Podunk, uh, Illinois. Uh, you know, they're, they're out of their element. It's just like with me. If you take me out of the country and take me somewhere like New York City, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Yep, yep same. In that, in the one story where the Bigfoot knocked you out of the hammock, you you made a comment 
prior to him knocking you out that I found curious. It was how you said everything shut off. And yeah. did you mean like in like all the insects and everything shut down? You couldn't even hear anything walking. And yeah. in a lot of our research, you hear that prior to a lot of these cases. Now, my question to you would be, do you think that was like a, an instinct? Everything shut off because a super predator entered the area or, yeah, you think that's what it was? Yeah. Right. I, you know, and it's just like that, too. Uh, you know, um, it's any kind of alpha predator, you know the top of the food chain comes in things that don't want to get eaten. They're yeah. going to stay put and shut up. Right. And try not to be seen or heard because they don't want to end up being its next meal. Right. Absolutely. Cause you, you hear about in some cases where it, it has that, that alpha predator sound, but then there's also like a, like a mystic side to it. Like, like almost like, something different is happening that we sh we normally or never have experienced before if that makes sense well i do know this and i'm not this is not paranormal this is biological these things can hurt you without even being near you enter infrasound i've been exposed to infrasound by these creatures before back in may of this last year, me and Ben were at a property in Franklin County, Illinois, hunting this property uh, for these Bigfoot that had been harassing these land these landowners for like three years prior to that. And Ben was actually there the first night that the first encounter actually happened, where this thing uh, was out in the woods and they saw it at the edge of the tree line, chuck a 10-foot branch at the house. And it landed within feet of the house and they could see it, and they all ran inside and looked out the windows and shut off all the lights, and they were looking out there uh, towards the woods, and they could see the silhouette of this thing walking inside the tree line. And they've heard howls and everything, so I told Ben, I'm like, get a hold of the property owner. I want to go up there and investigate, uh, because we had a, a fresh sighting that happened weeks before the investigation. And uh, Stacy was doing his map dousing for us while um, we were in the field in real time. And um, we, um, we were standing on the side of this hill out behind that house in this cornfield. And Stacy called us on the phone. He says, y'all, there is uh, an alpha male 100 yards inside the tree line watching you guys and i told ben because ben had a rifle uh he had a an ar with him and uh no it wasn't an ar it was a not an m16 it was oh 30 odd six and he had that rifle with him and uh i told him i said you got the range you stay up here, and you, I said, you got the range, you got that night vision scope on there because he hunts coyotes with his gun. I, I said, um, you got the range, you cover me, I'm going to go inside that tree line and try and flush this thing out. And I left the camera 
with him up there on that hillside. And I walked down the hill into the tree line. And I didn't go no hundred yards in. I went about maybe 50 yards inside the tree line, enough to where he could actually see my headlamp still going through the trees. And I walked uh, maybe about 50 yards up through the trees and came out on the north side. And he could tell you, whenever I come walking out, I was white as white as whitewash. I was pale. I was sweaty really bad. Uh, you know, I ain't like I was overheating. All I had on was a t-shirt and a hoodie with a pair of blue jeans and cowboy boots and this hat I'm, this black cowboy hat I'm wearing. And um, I just told him, I'm like, I don't feel so good, Benny. I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I've got a headache coming on, and it feels like my head's going to explode. And um, he goes, well, do you want to call the investigation, or do you want to go talk to uh, talk to her? And I said, let's go talk to the owner. And we went out there, and we actually videotaped the actual interview where it's, you can only see me and him, not the owner, because of privacy reasons. Uh, her name and her identity and her uh, facial identity will remain anonymous. Um, you can see right there, I was so sick. I was asking her, I said, I said, ma'am, can I please have a glass of water or something? At least I am dying here. And I was just breaking out in sweats, really sick to my stomach. I was had a massive headache and everything. I had ungodly sinus pressure in my head and after that uh interview concluded and everything i told him i said well let's go ahead let's pull the pin and call it a night and um i drove 45 minutes back from that property down here to where i'm at right now and within that 45 minute trip i must have stopped five or six times to either throw up or dry heat i was so sick i was sick feeling the after effects of this event for three weeks and i was extremely fatigued very nauseous uh had sporadic headaches that would go and come as they please and i the next day i was going and i'd heard people talk about the term infrasound and i looked up what infrasound actually was and i read the definition of infrasound is described all the symptoms and everything and i was like ew that's what that was so i still say that i was exposed to infrasound you know it it ain't like uh my it was my blood sugar dropping off or anything because i my grandfather's a diabetic and he gets the same way and uh for the heck of it i checked my blood sugar whenever i got home and it was normal I check my, my heart rate with my pulse with a, a pulse cuff that I have to do. My uh, my blood pressure was normal, and it was just all uh, anatomical, biologically uh, affecting me. And you know, I also read that you know lions, elephants, rhinos, tigers, bears, they can actually do this, and even it's even been weaponized by our military. Right. And if you have prolonged exposure to this, it can't actually stop your heart. 
Yep. I, I, that's, that's funny that you bring that up because I just started looking into that a couple months ago after I'd heard the term and I'd heard other investigators that had been like, um, affected by infrasound when they're out investigating Bigfoot. And that's, that's so that's scary in itself, especially the fact that if it's strong enough that it can stop your heart and essentially kill you. Do you think that there are multiple species of these Sasquatch and maybe one of them are more aggressive than others? Or do you think that like, maybe there's just a few uh, bad apples for lack of a better term out there, just kind of raising cane and maybe trying to drive, drive humans out of the, out of the areas where they're at. Well, you know, honestly, I believe that, um, Bigfoot is all of one species, but they have different ethnic groups. Like with us humans, there's African-American, European-American, there's Russian, there's Thai, there's Samoan, uh, Polynesian, Aboriginal, uh, Caucasian, uh, Inuit, Cherokee, Shawnee, uh, Iroquois, Apache. I could go on and on and on, but we're all, they're all ethnic groups, but we're all from the same tribe, the same species of Homo sapiens. I believe, excuse me, that Bigfoot is the same, is the same way, but they all have different ethnic groups like humans do. You know, some of them look different. There's been some like uh, the Orang Pendek in Sumatra. It's four feet tall, and it looks like an uh, uh, orangutan. Uh, yeah, an orangutan, and it's orange in color. And then you've got, uh, oh, what's one? The uh, uh, Nantinok from Portlock, Alaska. He's supposed to be fifteen feet tall with brown hair, and have a bad disposition with humans. You've got the Ohio Grassman. 10 feet tall, and he's got a mean streak a mile long. You've got the skunk acres in Florida. Uh, that thing is six feet tall, about three to 400 pounds, and it has, and it's, uh, looks more like a orangutan or a chimpanzee. you got the, the North American Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest. They're uh, approximately seven eight feet tall, around 600 to 800 pounds, uh, with black or brown fur. And they have they look more humanoid, you know. It's all these different ethnic groups, and then you got the Dugwee, which is a Bigfoot with a bad attitude, and it's got a baboon-like face. And uh, you know, these this is just a bunch of different ethnic groups of Bigfoot. Now, with the name for these things, uh, really, it just depends on what area that they are in in that native language or lingo uh, or dialect of that language and certain characteristics of these things is how they name them. Yeah, I, I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. Um, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit and jump into what actually like brought you to the forefront of like me finding you on Facebook and that is your encounter with the infield horror, which the infield monster, which is one of the strangest cryptids 
probably out there at this point. It is just bizarre. I think we've we've probably done an episode on it a while back, but I am I just, I'm curious for this story, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still shook up about it, and it's been almost two weeks ago that this thing actually happened. Uh, I'll set the scene for you. Um, I'd worked that day down on the Mississippi River, and uh, <clears throat> I was talking to my boss, and I said, you know, it's going to rain tomorrow. Ain't no farmers going to be moving. It's going to be slow down here. You just want me to take the day off tomorrow? And he goes, yeah, sure, take the day off. I said, okay. Uh, and then he, uh, I said, I'm going to go fishing tonight then because so, uh, I got to get up early in the morning because my days as a farmer working for a farming company and then as a farmer and my off time, my day starts at 4 a.m. and ends at 2 a.m. the next day. So I'm busy. Around the clock, I'm surprised I could. I was like, all right, I'm going to go fishing since I don't have to be in uh, tomorrow. I don't have to get up as early. So I... Uh, drove home and I grabbed my bow rig and it's uh, a bow fishing rig. It's got a, a bottle with a string in it with an arrow with a backwards barb on it to whenever it goes through the fish and it can't slide off or back off of it. And it's got a clutch with a, a reel on it. So I go home and I grab that and then I head north uh, to the Wabash River uh, up around all the Illinois um, between Illinois and Indiana. And I uh, caught me a couple of gar on the river and everything, pretty good size. And then right about 7.30, o'clock, the mosquitoes started coming out. And I'm like, all right, that's enough of this mess. I am not in the mood to get West Nile virus. <laughs> so I loaded up everything in the truck and everything, and I started home. Right about 8 o'clock, I started driving home. Well, I was about 100, 120. 10, 15 mile north uh, from home, and that's about a two-hour drive for me. Uh, so I've been on the road for about an hour, going down 45, uh, and I went out of Fairfield, uh, and I was coming down 45, and I come through Enfield, and Enfield runs, uh, it's, it's right there where 45 runs right through it, pretty much Main Street, and um Whenever I say this, I mean this in no embellishment or out of proportion at all. They roll the sidewalk up at night after the sun goes down in the infield. There's nobody on the street. There's nobody driving. Every store is closed down. Everything's locked up tighter than a coconut and a monkey's hind in, as I say. <laughs> so I go through infield and everything and didn't see one stole at all. And I drove south out of Enfield. Well, right there at uh, going down 45, right between Enfield and North City, there's a four-way stop. That's a junction between Interstate 14, uh, not Interstate, Route 14 and Route 45, where they meet in the middle. And it's a four-way stop. Well, on the north side of Route 14, there's an old gas station on the left if you're heading south that's abandoned. And on the right is Williams Insurance House. And there's the, a street light that sits up pretty high in the air that kind of lights up the area. And I'm coming up on it. I'm about 
maybe less than a quarter mile from the stop sign and I had my high beams on watching for deer. And I see out of my peripheral vision over here on the right, I see a shadow run behind uh, the Williams Insurance House in the back parking lot. And I thought it was a deer, so I slowed down because the farmers were planning that night late at 9 o'clock trying to beat the rain the next day. And I slowed down, and I see the thing go down in the ditch, the shadow, but then it came up out of the ditch and ran across that two-lane blacktop right in front of my high beams, and it cleared that two-lane blacktop in five or six steps, went down in the ditch on the other side, up and out of the ditch, and went off in a field, and it was gone. And this all happened in uh, five to ten seconds. And I got to the stop sign, and I stopped, put my truck in park, and I had a 700-lumen uh, headlamp sitting over here in my passenger seat. I reached over, and I grabbed it, rolled down my window, kicked that thing onto the highest setting, and I'm standing in that field looking for this thing, and that thing was completely gone. It vanished. And that's the encounter that actually happened. Was it pretty i mean infield horde uh, three legs and all the whole the whole shebang three legs and all that's that's so so bizarre so awesome well the description of this creature as whenever i it ran across the road like i said i'm uh before we started recording i am very inept to picking up on details like that and like i said uh before we started recording i you could hold up something, a box of, say, some pet shears, an electric pet shearing kit, and hold it up for five seconds and put it away and hide it out of view and ask me, all right, what did you see? I'll rattle off 10, 15, 20 things and recite the serial number on the box for you. So I'm seeing this thing, and I'm like, this is me at the camera on this thing. I've got to memorize as much as I can of this thing's uh, features this thing was uh approximately three to four feet tall um it had gray skin like an elephant like wet elephant skin that kind of a dark shade of gray and um three legs it had the the arms uh drawn up like how a a raptor would run you see one of them run in jurassic park it had its arms drawn up like that it had a reptilian head to it, kind of like an alligator, but here, we're, around here we call it pug nose, which means a short snout. So it had a, a short snout on it, but it had a head on it like an alligator with a shorter snout. And you could actually see from my high beams hitting its eyes, you could see the pink glow of the eyes reflecting back at you. And this thing had the, it was running on two legs. But that third leg on the back, right around where uh, where I would say on a human, where your tailbone is, is where the third leg was. And it had that third leg drawn up like this, running, and it had it drawn up like a tail. And, and it was running with a forward lean to it, where it had the forward momentum, booking it across that, that road, going boogie boogie right over and I had my windows down in my Ford Ranger because I drive a Ford Ranger, 
uh, 03 model, and I, it doesn't have no fancy lift kit on it. It's stock. That thing's top of its back would have been right level with my dashboard. Wow. Awesome. I couldn't even imagine. That is awesome. And whenever that thing ran across the road in front of me, I had my windows down because my air conditioner was busted. And I was barely crawling whenever this thing went across the road in front of me. And it was, you could hear its toenails, its claws kicking on that blacktop, just going tap, 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 when it's just going boogity, boogity, boogity right across that road. Uh, that is so wild. I love it. It is. And wild. I called my father. I called my mother right afterwards. I'm like, I got to tell somebody about this. And, uh, uh I calm and everything. I told her, I said, Mom, the only way I can describe it is this thing looks something like a dinosaur. That's what I mean. That's what it sounds like. And especially the way it had its tail, this tail pulled up, the way you kind of showed it with your with your hands. I'm kind of describing it to the listeners. It almost looked like it was almost like a scorpion tail kind of tucked up. Yeah. There. Like that is just that is what when did the infield horror happen? That was in the 70s, right? 1973 to be exact three do you man that makes you wonder if it's like just been hanging out and hiding hiding out there or what is going on reproducing oh yeah i didn't think about that could be and you know whenever i got the notion i made up my mind i'm like you know the general public needs to know about this thing because you know all the hysteria that it caused back in the 70s and everything you know, I'm like, people deserve to know that this thing is back because I checked and mine is the first report so far that I found in almost 50 years of this thing. Yeah. And, you know, like any kind of report on a public platform like Facebook with our Facebook page, you're going to have the naysayers and the scrutiny and everything. And, a lot of people was asking me how many beers I drank while I was out fishing or if I'd been smoking weed and everything, you know. But I said at the beginning of the show, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, um, and I'm a, a God-fearing Christian. I would never put that kind of poison in my body. I've been there, and it's not fun. And uh, I uh, just, and then it's just like it says right here in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 17, it says, uh, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give Give him a drink. For doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And here's the clincher. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And it's that's just how it's got to be uh, dealing with the naysayers and everything. It's got to be, as the old saying goes, water off a uh, duck's back. And like it says right here uh, in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 it says and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first commandment and verse 31 says and the second like it is this you shall love 
get that love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these as a c-plus man like i said i'm a c-plus man with means a lot of people smarter than me but i'm smarter than the rest of you that's uh, <laughs> to love god and love each other and like it says in romans chapter 12 it says don't not return evil for evil let it go don't dwell on it don't snap back and you start getting insulting that's one that's very unprofessional but also it's not very christian so you want to be good to even those that that doubt you and insult you and poke fun at you you want to be professional and you want to be good i i like agree that. with that wholeheartedly there's one thing i could change about the paranormal community it's how quick people are, will call you a liar or, or try to throw shade on what you've experienced and I'm here to tell you, if you weren't there to experience what I experienced or experience what somebody else experienced, you you don't have any business speaking on it negatively. You know, you weren't there. You didn't see it. You didn't feel it. So I just wish more people would kind of. The other thing with me is I used to be like that whenever I was first starting out with the monster hunters. And, you know, but after a while, I finally realized that you can't argue with fools. That's so you just, really like my granddad always tells me and everything, you know, my granddad uh, helped raise me and everything. And my biological dad wasn't there for the longest time. <clears throat> he said, you just give a person just enough rope and they'll hang themselves with it. So, you know, they'll get themselves caught up. If they are lying, they'll catch themselves up and then they'll, they'll expose themselves. So you just got to let them run with that. Yep. Yep. Amen to that. Big facts, man. Well, we'll probably get ready to wrap her up right there. If you want to um, tell everybody where they can find your YouTube videos, your podcast, if you've got any uh, Southern Illinois monster hunters, get togethers, people can, people can come out and check you guys out. Feel free to go yeah. ahead and let them know. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to go and follow uh, the Southern Illinois monster hunters, you can find us on Facebook uh, with our Facebook page, Southern Illinois Monster Hunters. Uh, you can follow me. I've got so many social media pages and platforms. I'm on uh, Twitter at DR Outdoors 2021. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Duke Randall Official. Uh, you can follow my outdoor brand, Duke Randall Outdoors, on Facebook. Uh, you can follow my music ministry because I am a bass singer. Uh, in a Southern Gospel Quartet called Ribbon. Uh, you can find uh, all the updates for me there on the Ribbon Facebook page and the Steric Music Ministries Facebook page. Uh, you can find me on TikTok, The Real 618 Cowboy. Uh, you can even message me personally on Facebook, Zach D. Steric. I'm not hard to find. I like talking to folks. Um, let's see here. Coming up for the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters, uh, starting uh, July 16th is our speaking season. It's after farming season and planting season and everything. So we're scheduled opened up. Uh, July 16th, we will be speaking in Pittsburgh, Illinois, at the Pittsburgh City Hall, doing a lecture and doing a screening of the Hunt for the Shawnee Sasquatch documentary that I produced and directed this earlier this year. Um, and then we'll be doing the same thing on July 23rd 
um, in Greyhoy outside of Carmi. And then July 30th, we will be in Glen Carbon, Illinois, at the Glen Carbon Memorial Library and Museum in Glen Carbon, Illinois, doing the same thing. And um, they're all free events. Everybody is welcome to come out, bring your kids, bring the skeptics and everything. Uh, they all consist of a meet and greet, the lecture itself, and then the Q&A uh, followed by the screening of the actual movie. So um, any further info that is required of that, if anybody has any questions, go to about the timing and everything and even the addresses to these places. You go to the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters Facebook page, go to our event tab and scroll down. And then you'll see all of those events that we're being that we're putting on. Also, October eighth of this year, we will be a part of the Shawnee Sasquatch Fest, Illinois, put on by the city of Harrisburg. Uh, we had a pretty big turnout last year. Uh, we actually had fifteen hundred people show up to the first wow. event in That's the awesome. down rain. That is awesome. That I is love awesome. it. And there's. Free rides, free bounce houses, there's food trucks, there's vendors, there's concerts, uh, there's you even get your chance to get your picture made with Bigfoot. You come meet us, we'll be going to give our lecture there in the city hall in the common uh, in the common room. Uh, hopefully we'll actually have some uh, bigger names there as well with us. I threw a couple to the uh, the committee that's planning it and everything and um and i'm not in charge of it i'm just the consultant this is the city of harrisburg's baby i'm just helping raise it <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome i love it oh and by 24th uh i will be singing with riven quartet on the bassman uh at walnut hill baptist church and right outside of crab orchard illinois if you go to the Riven, uh, Riven, uh, music dot com, uh, you or you go to the Riven Facebook page, you go and you click the link that takes you to their web page on Google, go to the tour schedule, and it's got the address for the church right there. We're singing at that's a Sunday night at 6 p.m. Uh, we'll be singing and bringing the word and song, and then there'll be a potluck afterwards and a love offering. So I invite everybody to come out to that as well. Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. And if you want, you can shoot us an email with links to all your socials and we'll add them to the, we'll add them to the show notes for everybody to see. And then I'll share it on social media as well. But on that note, thank you so much for taking the evening to talk with us, brother. That was, that was wonderful. Wonderful. Love it. A lot of really cool stories. A lot. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You guys ever want I believe it. Got more of them. Well, we'll have to schedule that. I I love listening and yeah, listening to you. Absolutely. But uh, on that note, thanks again for talking with us and stay safe out there, man. It's a wild world. I hope I hope so. I go back to work this next week, and I never know what the day's going to bring. So. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. So I want to shout there as well uh, to any of the listeners. If you guys are in the area, and if you don't have a church to go to. Come to Walnut Hill Baptist Church and everything. Uh, Keith Owens is the pastor there, and he's just like me. He's just a simple country boy and everything. And uh, not the judgmental, hypocrite type of church that a lot of people think that Christians are and everything. We were there with open arms and everything. Everybody 
of all walks of life are welcome at my church. So you, everybody is more than welcome to come after that. Awesome. Yeah. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Well, thanks again, man. It's been great talking to you. It's like yeah, talking I appreciate you. it. Well, folks, guys, it's been an honor to be on your show and everything. And I actually started listening to the show after you shared the actual report and everything. I'm like, these guys are cool. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're a lot like you, man. Just yep. two blue collar boys talking about weird stuff. So. That's it. It's, it's good to have good to have a, a third one on. So sure, take it easy out there and be safe, my guy. God bless you, boys, and thank you for having me. It's been good. It's been awesome. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Later.